Welcome to the Mompreneur Guide Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Moran. Just like you, I'm a mom entrepreneur on a mission to live a present and productive life, to be around for all the moments with my kids while also following my dreams and passions. Join me each week as I uncover a new tip or trick that will help you live your life just as you want and with as much ease as possible. Let's get started with today's episode. Hello, my amazing mompreneurs. Welcome back to the Mompreneur Guide podcast and our new Cleveland Mompreneurs feature. We are so excited to highlight the town that we are from, that we love, and we are doing it in style, not only with this amazing podcast recording. Today, we have Sarah Filipovitz and Ellen Velez of Flip4. These women are amazing. Our conversation is so good on pivoting and partnering and what it looks like to launch a business amidst a pandemic and momming on top of it. I can't wait for you ladies to listen to this interview, but this is not the only place that you can learn all about Sarah and Ellen. The amazing thing is that now you can also hear about them on our Instagram too. We've created an amazing reel to go with this podcast so you could see their product, what they're up to, and we're just so excited to highlight more Cleveland mompreneurs You ladies are the best. We are so happy you got to be our first recording here in the studio, and we cannot wait for many more collaborations right here in Chagrin Falls at Mompreneur Co. Studio. Without further ado, let's hop into today's episode. Hello, my amazing mompreneurs. Welcome back to the Mompreneur Guy podcast. I am so excited because today I have my first ever in-studio recording with not just anybody, but two Cleveland ladies. This is going to be a kickoff of a Cleveland Mompreneur Series, and I'm just so grateful to have Ellen and Sarah here with me today. It's so exciting. Ladies, welcome. Thank you for coming. Thank you. We're We're happy to be here. Very (laughs) excited, and congratulations to you. Thank you. Well, I'm so excited that Michelle introduced us, and I had actually seen you guys floating around online on Instagram before and was super curious, and so to meet you, and I just got a whole tutorial on your amazing product, which is so exciting, and I can't wait for everybody to hear about it. But before we do, Since this is a setup where there's three of us talking, would you each like to introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about the mom and entrepreneur side of your life so that everybody can get used to whose voice is who as we continue to talk? Sure. I'm Ellen Velez, and I have two kids, uh, two boys, six and eight. And uh, yeah, they're they're crazy and fun. (laughs) Every age is a fun age, right? (laughs) Or an interesting age. Um, I'm Sarah, and I have two girls, Penn, she's going into fifth grade, and a 14-year-old who's going to be a freshman. So they are in full swing of summer, taking up a ton of space and time. So it's been another adjustment having them home and trying to switch into summer mode. (laughs) It's so interesting. I love hearing that because I'm not quite in that stage Mm -hmm. yet. Like the kids are still home. We haven't really done preschool yet. So Mm -hmm. the whole school life is a new, new fascinating thing to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's balancing the scales. <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking about like every stage you think that you maybe master it and then it flips to something new. It just is never ending learning and growth, right? Sure is. Yeah. Right. I'm still mourning my independence <laughs> right? for the summer. Like, where did it go? I laugh because I think, and I'm wondering if you guys do too, I'll think about like if I'm laying in bed in the morning about life right before kids, how you could lay in bed and just chill for as long as you wanted. I mean, you'd have to, you know, get up. But my husband had worked from home pre-pandemic, pre-kids. He was virtual. And so he always says, I can just roll out of bed at like 8.55 over to my computer. That is not the case anymore. No. 
No, no yeah. parent ever, ever has that thought right. pre-kids, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Never you crosses have. your mind. <laughs> you know. It's so funny. Let's talk about the Cleveland side really quick. Are you both from Cleveland? Tell us a little bit about your Cleveland story if you're not. Um, I am not originally from Cleveland. I'm from outside of Buffalo. Um, I went to college at St. Bonaventure University, okay. which for a lot of people in the Cleveland area will know where it is because of Ellicottville for skiing. Oh, it's yeah. just past Ellicottville. Um, but I met my husband in college, did not date him until 10 years later when we were both oh ended up living in Boston. Um I got married at 30, and he was transferred to the Cleveland area where he grew up about four months later. So oh we ended up from the start um, in Northeast Ohio, but it was it was definitely shocking at the time, talk pre-kids, right? right and yeah. then it ended up taking us here. So um, we've been here for probably 14 years. That's amazing. Yeah. Did you feel any kind of similarity? I feel like Buffalo, I've heard, I haven't really spent time in Buffalo, but it, Buffalo and Cleveland kind of similar? I mean, I know Very weather. similar. Yeah. Okay. yeah, they're very similar. Um, city size feels similar and suburbs. Um, I had been in Boston since I was 21 okay. till when we moved. So that was a big adjustment because we were very mm -hmm. urban. Um, but this feels right for having kids. Yeah. I mean, I'm out. Yeah. So are you a Clevelander? Do you feel like you're a Clevelander now? Can you vote Cleveland or you, does Boston or Buffalo still have your heart? Um, I feel like a Clevelander, but I am a Buffalo Bills fan. Uh, so it gets through, a and little, through. through and through. And I actually <laughs> won that battle with my kids. So they are oh. Bills fans. And I tell my husband not to interfere with that because it's like my one, Give me one piece thing. of home <laughs> that they have. Yeah. I have two friends from my online space who live in Buffalo. Now I'm going to have to introduce you. I'm sure you ladies will have a great conversation. I know my Love. one friend, Lindsay, yeah. is all about the bills. So I'll introduce yeah. you. Please do. Yeah, <laughs> Ellen, what about you? Are you from here? I grew up in Canton. Okay. So um, and then uh, I left to go to college and then was gone for 20 years and then moved back about seven years ago. So wanted to move to like a more urban area because I we moved from Jersey City, Hoboken. I was there for 12 years. So we were seeking out something walkable and yeah. a little more urban. So we chose Shaker. Great so, choice, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, we love it. So. I, I think about that comparison between Sugar and Falls and Shaker a lot. Obviously, it has like some similar vibes and some difference. And I think mm -hmm. how cool it is that Shaker's a little closer to downtown. So you can hit all of those other activities like we go to the Children's Museum mm -hmm. and, you know, I want to start taking the kids to the Botanical Gardens and stuff like that. Right. A little bit closer to get there from you guys. Yeah, So much to offer for kids in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. It's great. I know. It's awesome. Well, tell me a little bit about your business because I just got to hear a bit of the story about Ellen. You were on a trip and, and you were having some troubles with sleep, as we all can relate to. Right. Um, and, and that was where the birth of the Flip Fort came. But tell us a little bit, too, of... I know you said you reached out to Sarah to tell her about the idea. So where did the friendship blossom then? You you didn't, did you meet here in Cleveland? So Give us that scoop. Sarah and I went to college together at St. Bonaventure. Oh, okay. So we were roommates uh, our senior year and, uh, you know, friends throughout. And I had a similar path to her where, you know, I lived urban and then moved back here. So when I was traveling to the Cape from here, 12-hour trip with my one-and-a-half-year-old and, and three-year-old, 
Um, you know, they didn't sleep the entire trip. It was miserable, mm-hmm. miserable. <laughs> so I was trying to, um, you know, kind of block the sun so my one and a half year old could sleep. So I was kind of just draping blankets over the headrests and blocking out the light and distractions and the three-year-old from, you know, hitting the one and a half year old. And um, he kept pulling it down. And I'm like, looking at Amazon, like there has to be something mm-hmm. I can attach to the headrests to just block out light so they can sleep. And there wasn't. So came back from vacation and, you know, a couple years later or a year later, basically, I, I asked Sarah, I'm like, you know, what do you think of this product? Because I, I wanted to sit on it for about six months to see if I thought it was still a good idea. Mm-hmm. And I did. So I reached out to Sarah. I'm like, what do you think of this? She gave it 24 hours and she called back. She's like, I think it's a good idea. I want to be involved. I'm like, yes, because I <laughs> seriously cannot do this alone. Mm-hmm. Like, so we became partners and um, we just really balance each other out incredibly well. We respect each other because we were friends first and take each other's opinions into consideration and then make an educated decision. Um, so it's been a really great journey so far. And, you know, we don't know anything about manufacturing and sewing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, or, or just marketing a product. So we have, you know, just really reached out to the community, Cleveland and Hudson and Shaker, and um, surrounded ourselves with really smart people and asked them their opinions. And people are really willing to talk if you approach them and take them out for a cup of coffee. You know, they they want to help, as, you know, most humans do. Mm-hmm. So taking advantage of that has been really amazing and beneficial to us and kind of led us down the road that we're on right now. I love how you mentioned that, like, you had no idea, air quotes, what you were doing. Yeah. Because, I mean, isn't that the mompreneur story, right? We're all just trying, or the mom story, the too. Mom, the parenting story. You have no clue what you're doing, it's and just you just have a, to figure it out. Yeah, it's a beautiful mirroring between mom life and entrepreneur life. Like, you just figure it out and, and find support, which I think is something that has gotten a little lost. And at least in my mom journey, I'm curious if it's the same for you, but there's not as much of a village as I feel like I heard there used to be. And so it's beautiful when we can find community. And I mean, business, it's just you hit that nail on the head between mom and business life. But um, like you did, finding that support that you need, I think is just so crucial in both aspects. Absolutely. Um, real quick, I, you know, mentioning that that tribe, um, it is hard to find. Um, and it feels kind of isolating as a, as a mom and a parent. And, you know, I, I'm still struggling with that, like where I live, because I had that, I feel like when I lived in Jersey City, with a great group of friends. Um, but like here, I, I still struggle with, struggle with that because I feel like people are so busy and so overwhelmed with things just being thrown at them that like they don't have the capacity to reach out to people or to like have you over for dinner or, you know, it's just people are so busy. So I seriously try that try to do that like at least once a week to just reach out to people and be like hey you know can we take the kids to the pool or do you want to come over for dinner or let's meet up because it's important to me I need I need that I think some people don't but I really need that well and I think like you have to be willing to be authentic um you're not going to find the right people as I've learned now that I don't have little tiny babies anymore like if you're looking to provide a play date that's perfect or a home that's perfect or show up in exactly the right outfit um, to be with people, they're not your people. Right. Like, 
parenting is messy. It's hard. Sometimes you love your your partner. Sometimes you can't stand your partner. And that's okay, right? Like you can talk about that. You can show up messy. You you can show up as yourself. And I think that with social media and all the expectations that are put on moms to be a certain way, what the result is, is we lose our tribe. Yeah. We lose our people because yeah. we're trying to be perfect and we're all imperfect, right? It's, it's such a good point. Like that messiness is what makes it authentic and makes mm-hmm. it real. And I'm so glad that you two found each other. And I feel like this is a shout out. Any moms listening, especially in the Cleveland area, we all want to hang out together. <laughs> like, Or this is your prompt to reach out to that friend, to reach out to that local person, like you said, and make it a point every week to have one connection point. I mean, if if you need to dip your toes into it, I know the Zoom world isn't our favorite, but if you need to dip your toes in, maybe that's at least having a FaceTime call or something with somebody so that you can start to wade into dinners or or having that park playtime or whatever it is. So, And I like challenge you, have someone over and don't empty your sink. Yes. Let them come into real life and mm-hmm. your friendship will be instantly deeper. Mm-hmm. Right. Give yourself grace. Yeah. It's so important. I'm curious, Sarah, when Ellen called you and you were like, you thought about it and you said, heck yes, I want in on this. What was going through your mind? Because, you know, she presented a business idea. You jumped right on. You hadn't worked together before. You had you know, room together, been friends. Yeah. And I'm just curious, like, I love when I see somebody else see a vision and and want to go take action to make it happen. And that's certainly what happened here. So I think, um, you know, for me, my kids were slightly older. I didn't have the need per se for this product, but it was a fantastic idea. I know who Ellen is as a person. And, you know, I, she did run a previous business and I know her work ethic. Um, So for me, that was very comfortable. But I've always had the desire to run a business. I really want to be a part of change. And it's clear that one way to change is by having a successful business. You can, the more you have in that area, the more you can do. So when the idea was right with the right person, I really felt like, let's do this and let's grow it and see what we can do in our community. Um, so that was kind of what made me say yes. And little did we know a pandemic was about to hit <laughs> and manufacturing was going to shut down. And my gosh, you name it, it was thrown at us when we were getting started. Mm-hmm. So it has been an NBA course on top of, you know, having yeah, kids in a pandemic yeah. and mm-hmm. trying to manufacture something. Mm-hmm. So it's been a great experience as far as learning, but um, getting started, it was really the drive to want to run something so that, and Ellen and I align on that. We really, you know, see this more as a means for how we can get involved in the community and give back, hopefully, once it's in full swing. For sure. Absolutely. You had a different business before this? I did. I have a culinary degree, so I had a catering business for 10 years in Jersey City. No way. What kind of catering did you do? Mainly, well, it was all types of catering, um, you know, for personal services, weddings. But the thing that I ended up sticking out with was corporate catering. So I would sell lunches to bond brokers on the trading floor. Mm-hmm. And it was like a 15-second transaction between us. And I was in and out selling 100 lunches in about 45 minutes. So I grew that to other broker houses and ended up selling it before we moved. 
So I was kind of burnt out at that point when I got pregnant and had it for 10 years. And it's just a, it's a grind. So I was ready for a change and I still do a little bit of catering, but I always wanted to bring something big, like a, a product. And I thought about food products and I feel like everything is pretty oversaturated. So when this idea came to me, um, I'm like, well, maybe this is it, you know, and I hope, I hope it is, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> I also do. We all do, don't we? I, I'm smiling ear to ear, Ellen, because that was how my mom started her first business. How I became a third generation mompreneur is my mom had a corporate catering business. She would cater the Cleveland Clinic. All of the doctors, exactly what you just said. It was such an easy transaction. She had worked for WebMD before they became WebMD. And so when that merger happened, she was laid off, as they all were. And um, But she had been selling to these doctors, and she had to bring the lunches. And she oh knew, gosh. she knew, like, oh, this is an easy sell. And it worked out perfectly. I was in first grade at that point. And so she could, you know, make the lunches, do everything, go deliver the lunches and then be there to pick me up. And then we'd go back to um, she actually started out of the Federated Church here in Bainbridge. They have the Meals on Wheels kitchen. And so she started there and I would help her roll the silverware. And eventually it grew. She made chips for these lunches and all the doctors loved them. So she created these gourmet food products. She did chips, then she did dips and then she did a wine slush. And now she only sells the wine slush everywhere. Um, it's actually can do any cocktails, turn any cocktails into slush. So literally oh everything you just said between my growing up life and then when you said after 10 years and having your your child do your children and then realizing, okay, I'm done with this. I'm ready for something else. That's my story to a T. So oh my gosh, that's I love crazy. the synchronicity yeah, there. That's, yeah, that's amazing. Well, I love it. And I love what you both mentioned too about business is like this conviction I recently did a podcast all about this, about you can make something happen. I'm curious your thoughts, too. Um, so much more quickly when you like feel something, you feel that vision and you have conviction around it. You're like, oh, you know, you felt Ellen is this right partner. And the idea was great. And so you said it was so easy to move forward with. And you, I'm sure, felt conviction that you were really done with catering and maybe you want to dabble in it a bit. But when you realized there's no products on Amazon like this. We, we need something like this to help our kids sleep and us with our sanity. I'm curious if you've noticed conviction continue to move the needle forward in your business. Absolutely. I think that it's like a, a voice that you can try to ignore, but it's constantly there. And you can shove it down if you don't want to seize the moment. But once you kind of unleash it, you hear it in everything that you do. Um, and I think, like, I'm, I'm a true believer. I know Ellen is, too. Like, once you put it into the universe, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It might not happen exactly how you envisioned it, but you need to be, like, open to the help, the signs, the um, conversations, because it's, it's big. You know, you, you can't stop it mm-hmm. if you can choose not to see it, but you can't stop it. I, I totally agree. Um, you know, I see our end goal, hopefully in like five to seven years of selling up. I don't know how we're going to, I don't know how that journey is going to be to get there, but I can envision us doing that and signing papers and just, you know, like being done. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, I feel like we've generated this kind of community to make it easier to start this business. And yes, we've hit a lot of roadblocks, but We've kind of navigated our way 
by just talking and listening. And we don't know what we're doing. So we have to take everybody's advice. We don't have MBAs, you know, so it's almost better because we don't know what can go wrong. Yeah. You know, and I've talked to a bunch of people who do have MBAs are like, I so admire that, like when I had my other business, like I really admire like that you started your own business. And because we, we know everything that can go wrong because we were taught by Ivy League schools <laughs> and they're like, but you don't know what you're doing. So you can just do it without any thoughts. So. Well, I think sometimes it can be limiting, too. I don't know if you've felt this way, even just in your time in the online space in marketing. I think that there can be too much structure sometimes. You know, if you have a degree or you've, like me, been in this space for two years and you hear all of these coaches and all these people saying, this is what you should do. This is what's going to make X, Y, and Z happen. And I've found in my own journey, and this is a lot about we're writing a book and this is a lot about what's going to go in it, which is learning how to stop outsourcing my power mm. for the longest time in my business. That's what I was doing was there's that beautiful balance and dance between needing to hear and, and learn from other people. And then that discernment, like you said, of you can see that vision, you know what's going to happen. You've put it out into the world and, and you're believing and trusting in the universe to give you that sign of what that next right step is in the process. And you're trusting that. And so I think it's such a beautiful thing that I had leaned so far into, I'm a, I'm a type A overachiever, high achiever. Tell me my next thing on my roadmap and I'll do it to, to get the A, to get to that vision. And I think it's beautiful, like you said, to, to listen and take action based on the power and the blueprint inside us. Have you noticed that in your journey as well? Yeah, we definitely have. And we have outsourced, we have done it, some things on our own. I mean, some things we couldn't do. Like, oh, right. We worked really hard on a patent, but we needed an attorney to step in, right? Like mm -hmm. we couldn't, we just needed to make sure it was done right. We've done that along the way. And sometimes it's worked beautifully. And sometimes we're like, oh, maybe we should have done that. But I think like the one thing is timing, right? Like you can't do it all mm -hmm. from the beginning, but you can take things back as it goes. So just because you leaned into the advice or outsourced and maybe it didn't work out exactly how you thought it was going to, that's okay because they were there for a reason. Like that moment in time, you needed those people to do whatever it was. And then when the time's right, you take it and you move it in your direction. But I think sometimes like we get so hung up on, well, we've invested into this or we've done this for so long, we have to be right. And you can't always be right. Mm -hmm. So you have to be okay with just saying, okay, that was why we did it then. And this is what we're going to do now. Yeah, mm -hmm. Trusting in that experience. Trusting your gut, yeah. really. And not letting your ego get in the way. For sure. Right? Like once you've put money into things and once you've put time into things, you want it to work. Mm -hmm. So you have to be able to say, okay, you know, it's not exactly and I'm going to take it over or I'm going to do it differently. Yeah. And it's okay. Yeah. And just constantly assessing like what's going on and what's working, what's not and just changing and just being pretty fluid. Yeah. So important. So speaking of those challenges, you said that you hit some challenges. I want to know, when did the whole idea start? And then you said you hit the pandemic. So give us a little bit of a timeline here, because it seems like you navigate challenges very well together. I think so. <laughs> I mean, we have a couple of days where we're like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? Um, so we started probably five months before. The five. Well, I mean, the idea was five years ago. Okay. Right? Six years ago. 
It was a long time ago. What it was a long it? time what ago. Is it? Yeah. I don't know. And I'm like, I was working a lot and, you know, and then we came up with this idea and Sarah was crazy busy and we were just trying to work on it as we could. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I think that was like, a, it happened for like a year and a half and then the pandemic hit. And then that just kind of, you know, halted things for about, it was just a very slow process for two years. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it took us a whole year to figure out how to like really manufacture our product to make it, um, you know, easy to manufacture, really, to change things. And we worked with amazing women to do that. Um, Sarah's friend actually, um, I'll let you talk about her, but she, had Kristen. Oh, my childhood um, family friend worked in fashion in New York City and with manufacturers, and she went... Um, the last, a couple years before the pandemic, she moved to a company called Innovasia, and they literally will work with getting from sourcing to packaging to design change. Like, they do it all. Um, so she, I, I reached out to her, and she's like, yes, of course, I will help you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will say, like, we tried really hard to start locally, to start stateside, um, and it was it was almost impossible. The cost, um, the availability of people, we were really bummed out because the prototypes and then the quotes to do it were almost at the cost of what we're trying to sell for. Yeah, cost prohibitive. Right? So it was hard, but um, she she took us on and her partner, um, and they're both two moms, and they really got what we were trying to do and worked with us, figured out all the different pieces to it and how to do it in a cost-efficient way. And I I mean, they were the best people at that time. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Um, One of the obstacles we came into very quickly was after having my mother-in-law sew, we had a student from Ohio State sew for us. Like we were trying to figure this out Mm -hmm. on our own. Um, We were totally halted by the fact that all manufacturing, all fabric went to masks. Like you right. could not get somebody to sew anything for you. No. And you really shouldn't have, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that was priority. But um, that was our first, we we're finally there. We had this prototype. We're like, okay, now let's get it sewn. And it was like, sorry, there is not a piece of fabric available. Every factory is shut down, right? Like People couldn't be working in factories mm-hmm. here or anywhere else. So it just really was like, wow, what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. And in that moment, we're like, let's add vents and make this safer. Like we had time to sit with our product because now we had a prototype and yeah. we had time. Mm-hmm. And there's so, nothing I would want to change on it now. Right. You know, can honestly say that we really did take the time to make it the exact way we've envisioned it and want it to be isn't it beautiful that like everything's always working out for us i think Uh like you said you wouldn't have you would have iterated to the version that you're in now but how many you know would you have made already and you'd have a version two and that's all great there's going to be evolution and growth but isn't that just so interesting that there's that pause or that slowness that was you know given to you almost as a gift right and our kids needed us Right. Mm-hmm. Like I was homeschooling. Right. Um, and that was really where I needed to be giving the time. Mm-hmm. 
so you can't fight it, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have to we give yourself grace and a break. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk about that grace and break for you guys, because I know that's it. I'm working on it. Not always Hard. easy for me. So the pandemic hits. You you feel like you're here. You are. You're ready to really do this thing with the business. Yeah. Now your kids need you. You can't do manufacturing. I mean, yes, you had time to pivot, but the entrepreneur side of your brain, like where was your mindset at there? And of course, if you want to talk about the mom side too, because I know that was not easy as well. It was just survival, really. I mean, I think for every single person in this world, (laughs) (laughs) just surviving and kind of managing all the thoughts in your head. Mm -hmm. We did try, we kept, you know, meeting virtually with each other. I think that was helpful. And we worked with um, Magnet out of Cleveland. Okay. They are a nonprofit who um, helps startups, entrepreneurs. They match you with like, if you need help with, you know, organizing your finances, Mm -hmm. they'll help you with that. If you need the contacts for um, patent attorneys, they, they really work within the community. So they kept us going too during that time. And being like, let's set some deadlines. Let's keep moving you along. You can't do this, but you can be working on putting together your tech pack, right? So a tech pack for people like myself who were not in manufacturing is what you send to any factory so that they can quote and make your products. So they hooked us up with students at Boise State University Mm -hmm. who, who will do this, right? So we had this amazing resource in Magnet who really did a good job at managing us at that time and keeping us going when our morale was kind of like what do we low do? because right. they're like, use, use this time, do it. And we're going to help you. Mm-hmm. So they were, um, they were just amazing to work with. They really were. But I mean, I, I feel the same way with Ellen. It was survival. Isn't that like true of <laughs> all stages? There's a component yeah. of survival. Um, and as the mom in the house and trying to work like the expectation was that we worried about our children's emotional needs, their school. Um, and we still, I still do even now that they're back at school and making sure that they felt, you know, not afraid and that they were able to progress in their learning. It was, it was survival. Plus, provide them experiences, walks outside, like we need to get them out and moving, Mm -hmm. staying healthy and constantly knowing, like worrying if you're making the right decision. You know, we had outdoor sports that kind of continued and some parents were really adamant that that was the wrong choice. And for me, I have a child who has ADD and she needed movement. So it was kind of like, am I risking her? Mm -hmm. But her mental health and her physical health, she needed to move her body. So what do you do, right? Like there's always that worry. So I do feel like that that was another phase where it's like that was kind of a blur. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Well, don't you feel like that timing was so I just feel like it was just so scary because it was so unknown, mm-hmm. which I think made us, you know, all stronger coming through it. It's like, uh, it's it's kind of like childbirth. Like made it through that. Like right. you're you're good, you know? Totally. It, it's just the unknown. And I think that's a huge part of entrepreneurship is is the unknown and that next step and and what is it going to be? But, you know, when you just put it out there, you have to, to trust it and happening. So I would love to hear from you ladies. Like, what is that next thing? What is what is next for Flip Fort? What is next for you guys in your business? What is that next step in your vision? Um, I think the next step for us is to really push it forward 
We're doing a lot of social media right now. We're approaching shops for wholesale. And then we have a goal to get on to Amazon by the end of the summer, if not mm-hmm. sooner. So to really uh, just kind of push it forward. We didn't know, you know, we're, we're still trying to figure out like how this first year is going to pan out. And we really wanted to capitalize on selling it through our website first and just see how that would go. Well, and you have to figure out, too, like, you have a budget, right? Like, where's the most bang for your buck? Mm-hmm. And what can you do on your own? Um, and I think for us, like, we've realized that we need to put some paid advertising into Amazon, into Amazon searches. Um, so. That was an area that we, you know, were afraid to get into at first because you're like, wow, I'm going to give away a lot of my my products mm-hmm. revenue. But the reality with what goes on on social media is very different than what the user thinks is happening, right? So you have a product and you can either pay influencers or you can bring brand ambassadors on. As soon as you do either of those, you're already discounting what you're bringing in mm-hmm. almost to the same amount as mm-hmm. what you are on Amazon because you have a coupon code for the ambassadors plus you have what they're getting paid, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Their commission. So I think you need a little bit of both, but it's not as easy as like, oh, it's going to catch on for something to catch on. There's a lot that has happened in the background <laughs> right. that you're taking out of um, your cost. So we've learned all about that. And now we know, okay, it's, it's a smart choice to put money into searchable on Amazon. But we we're trying to avoid that for the first year. Yeah. And it's unavoidable. At the right. Yeah. It's so interesting how SEO can be so helpful. And, you know, the searchability alone on Amazon is always so interesting. And there's a lot. I know my mom's been putting her products on Amazon and it's, I think she's in year one or two now of doing it. So you have questions talk to her but it's just so there's so many things i know she has to ship pallets to amazon's warehouse mm-hmm. with the products so they can pull and you know it's always so many different learning curves on things that will help you but also can feel a little bit scary like it's a big move it's you know will it work will it not you know will doing this next thing in my business be the thing that helps me move forward or or is it going to be one of those other learning lessons um i think it's always that one step before you make the step is always for me, a little anticipatory or anxious, for sure. being yeah. honest. Well, and it's taught me too, like, how do I support other businesses, right? Like, it's so easy to buy off mm-hmm. of Amazon, but it's, we're talking a couple seconds longer to go to the website of the store. And I think we like forget about who's behind these businesses. Um, and you know, people want to put out there, let's support local, let's manufacture stateside, but then they don't do the part of switching and actually ordering directly so that your entrepreneurs are getting their maximum opportunity, right? Or or paying, people don't want to pay more for a product, but they want it to be made here. So you can't have it both ways, which is like, a big eye-opening takeaway from this whole experience. So like Amazon is a beast that we all use, right? But this has made me stop and be like, oh, can I buy directly from 
mm-hmm. the, yeah. the owner. Either and direct or local. You do. Yeah. Right. Well, I wonder too, with your, the towns that you're in, because, you know, here in Chagrin, I always try to make an effort to, if I'm going to buy something, can I buy it here in town? And I know Hudson has a similar layout and Shaker has some other little, you know, pockets where there's shops and stuff like that. So have you noticed that you, like you said, your buying habits are, are shifting now that you're in this space and maybe you encourage that as well and, and find it easier when you have like a local space to go to? I definitely like really love shopping locally in Hudson and here mm-hmm. in Shaker. Um, I think that there's like so many gems. Um, so my thought process is, yes, like people want to buy. And if you have a story, brick and mortar is amazing for your story, right? right? Like if you know the owner and you walk in to buy something, that owner is going to promote you. Mm-hmm. They're going to talk about your products. So I think it's really important not to underestimate the power of that. Um, we feel that way. Mm-hmm. They become your, your salespeople. Right. I think um, just from having a business before, I always tried to shop local as local as possible. So it's kind of just continued. Well, shout out to all local Cleveland stores who yes. could use the foot for it. I already am thinking about some stores in town that we <laughs> get to connect you guys with because we want it in every single place around here, right? Yes. The more, the more we could do, the better. We do. Ladies, I so appreciate you being here and just sharing the mom and entrepreneur side of your life. Your story is amazing. I will make sure we'll have all sorts of different videos the week that this airs so everybody can see how the foot fort works and be able to click and, and get a gift or a gift for yourself. Everybody needs to get a foot fort. And I really appreciate you being here. Oh, thanks thank for having us. Thank you so us. much. Congrats, too. I know. Oh, it's a you. great space. Oh, it's amazing. You have continued success, too. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. You have no idea how much your listenership means to me. If you love what you heard, would you mind leaving us a review? It'll help get these episodes into more mompreneurs earbuds and into our community. Ready to get your next season or project done? Then you need to check out the studio. It offers a creative, collaborative, and Instagrammable space for mompreneurs to batch their podcasts and beyond. Head to mompreneurco.com slash studio to learn how to cut your marketing time from three months to one day so you can spread your message and mission on autopilot while enjoying the work and people you love most. See you next time.